Welcome back to Get Fitty with the Podcast. I introduced what? I warmed up my voice like I was going to sing to you guys, but as soon as I hit record, no song came out. So welcome back to the podcast. I'm your co-host, Holly. And I'm your co-host, Mary. We're dropping last names and we're back to Beyonce <laughs> this week. Yeah, just solid. Holly and Mary. I like it. Um, this week, we have another amazing podcast guest on. We have Paige Knapp, who we've actually spoken about in a couple of episodes, I know, recently. Um, mm-hmm. So you may know her as Imperfectly Paige Wellness. That is what she is on uh, the internets. So that's what you may have seen her as before. But um, this is actually our first conversation around gut health, which I was very excited to dive into and learn a little bit more about. Um, and we actually found Paige through Taylor Woods, which is one of our other prior guests, um, who's mm-hmm. also going to be a returning guest here shortly. So, um, it's exciting to kind of find some of our guests through other guests and make the connections that way too. So we've done that with actually a few people now, and I've really just enjoyed kind of having that connection with, um, this podcast and kind of getting to grow in that organic way like that. Um, yes, go ahead before I keep going. <laughs> no, I was just going to say it, it was so interesting to talk to Paige so I think that this is one of those episodes, geez, we're really struggling today. <laughs> one of those episodes where you need to go grab a notebook, grab a pen and like really jot down like what she's saying, because I, I, for one learned so much from this episode. Yeah, definitely. And, um, so before we actually dive into the episode, a quick check in, how are you doing this week? How is the knee healing? How is all the things yesterday you texted me that you were at the gym and I wanted to ask you more questions, but I thought I would save it for the podcast. So I almost fell off the elliptical when I was texting you. Oh my God. I was like, whoa. (laughs) Um, anyways, so yeah, the, the healing is actually not going great. Um, it's very slow. I'm probably going into my ninth or 10th week of physical therapy. And I just feel like there's not much change. And I feel like it's worse than it was before I got the surgery. Like there's things that I can do where it's like, I can bend it a little bit better than I did before. Like I could sit cross-legged, which I could never do prior to getting surgery. Um, but that's like, not something I need to be able to do. Like I need to be able to work out without it swelling and without pain. So I am going back to the doctor tomorrow and I'm going to ask for a gel insert. So it's like an injection where they like put this gel into your knee. Uh, one of my friend's fiances, she got it and she said it was like life changing. So I plan on going in because I don't, my biggest issue right now is that I can't like work out without it swelling. And it's super annoying because then it's like, I go work out, I get a great workout in and mm-hmm. then I'm out for like three days because of it, because I can't like do anything. So um, hopefully like fingers crossed this works out and everything is like great. And my knee feels better, but I just feel like after like nine or 10 weeks of physical therapy, there should be some improvement. And I just am not like feeling that way. So I did go to the gym yesterday. That was my second day in a row. So I did, yeah, I did legs on like some leg stuff, not really a lot, just like small workouts on what was that Friday afternoon? And then yesterday I went in and John programmed me an arm workout and it was really hard. And I felt really judged because all these like meatheads were at the gym. And I was like, okay, I get it. I'm using 12s. <laughs> like, leave me alone. I'm starting over. I like 
took a 20 to do a um, dumbbell press. And uh, this guy like looked at me and <laughs> he couldn't do it. And I was like, whatever. And I like put it down and I get a 10. And then I do it. I was like, whatever. It's fine. I was like, like because I hadn't like done a lot in right. a really long time. So I was like, leave me alone. Like that's why people feel judged when they first start out because it's like Definitely. lungs like that that are like looking at them. It's like, go look somewhere else. Avert your eyes, please. <laughs> For real though. So yeah, it was good. I did the elliptical and then some arm stuff and I feel good today because obviously I didn't use my legs. So, well, okay. not very much, but yeah, so it was good. Uh, I will keep everybody posted on how the doctor goes, but how was your week, Holly? Um, this week was Holifer. Just... Here we go again. <laughs> uh this week was all right uh it was my period week so a lot of just up and down emotions mm-hmm. <laughs> as it tends to be on my period week um but besides work just being absolutely crazy this week um I feel like I've been doing been doing okay I guess I feel like there wasn't that much really that happened this week like I don't feel like I really have much to talk about it was crappy weather I didn't go outside yeah um, you know, I was on my period and I was in a crappy mood. <laughs> that's fair. So like, so I was like, that's where, that's where the week was. And now it's Sunday. <laughs> that's so funny. I, so I'm using the flow app from your recommendation yeah. and it's so funny because it'll like pull up like things that you might be feeling that day or like, ex- like experiencing that day <laughs> yesterday, it popped up and it's like, you may be experiencing mood swings. And I showed my husband and I was like, uh oh, <laughs> like like you're in trouble. <laughs> oh my God! Speaking of mood swings, my mom told um. So I went out to see my parents yesterday briefly. Um, we had to pick some stuff up at their house, and my mom told Brandon. <laughs> she goes, "Hey, this is what I used to tell Ron back in the day." And Ron's my dad. She goes, "I used to tell him I've got one good week a month. The week before my period, I'm a bitch because my period's coming. The week of my period, I'm a bitch because I'm on my period. And the week after my period, I'm a bitch because I'm getting over my period. So you got one good week with me. So better make it last." <laughs> That's awesome. I love that. It's true though. <laughs> I was like, oh my God. That's so funny. Um, but anyways, let's jump into this episode. We are so excited to share Paige with you guys. And as always, we'll have Paige's links below. So if you want to work with her, you can jump down to the um, description box and jump over to her Instagram or her website, etc. Um, but we'll see you guys on the other side. We are back with a very special guest today. We have the amazing Paige Knapp. Did I even say your your name? Yep, what? you did. Silent K. Correctly. Yeah. <laughs> Gosh, I can never speak on this podcast. Anyways, I'm so excited to have you here on Instagram. If you guys have not known Paige by her actual name, she's in Perfectly Paige Wellness and I actually found her through Taylor Woods. So shout out to our queen, Taylor. Um, But to get started, Paige, can you tell us a little about who you are and how you show up in this world? Yeah. So first off, thanks, Holly and Mary, for having me. I was really excited that you guys reached out to have me on the show. Um, But yeah, like like you said, my name is Paige. I run a business called Imperfectly Paige Wellness, and I focus primarily on helping women with gut, hormone, and like strength building. So I was going to say, I guess, hormone health, gut health, and strength building um, without any kind of crazy calorie counting or crazy amounts of exercise in the gym, spending too much time. Um, But I know today we're primarily, hopefully going to be talking about gut health. 
Um, I would have to say that I show up in this world as authentically as possible. And that is a choice that I made kind of, I would have to say it was about halfway through my undergraduate time in college. Um, this was not always the path that I expected to take with my life, but I'm very happy that everything pivoted. I actually got my undergraduate degree from University of Pittsburgh in French and political science. And I was very much like a go, 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 like I'm going to go and like be in politics and I'm going to go wow. like live in France and do all of this. But around my sophomore year of college, um, I suffered a breakup as one does, uh, in school, but it was kind of one of those things that really was like a shattering thing for me. And that is, I think what kind of catalyzed me going into spending some time having orthorexia. Um, so orthorexia is a non-specified eating disorder, um, that is typically characterized by having an obsession with overexercise, clean eating, like really just focusing on basically perfectionism. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, and so the whole thing was like, I felt out of control in my life because that breakup had happened to me and I didn't see it coming. And so I decided I was going to like take control of my life in any way that I could. And I did it to a not healthy degree. Yeah. And so at the time I was living alone, it was like the summer between sophomore and junior year. And so it, when you're living alone, it's really easy to hide behaviors that other people mm -hmm don't really think are smart because yeah. I was, I was a home alone. So like, if I wanted to limit my calories or eat something super, like super weird or exercise compulsively, like no one was around to see it or stop me or like ask me what was up. Mm -hmm. And so I quote, got away with it at first, which isn't good. Like if yeah. this is you, if I'm saying these things and you're like, Oh, I do that. Don't, don't do that. Reach out for help. I eventually did end up doing that. But, um, what really, kind of got me out of that was my junior year. I actually spent six months abroad in Nice, France, uh, as part of my degree, I did study abroad. And while I was there, I stayed with a host family. And if you've ever stayed with a host family, you know, that you do not have control over basically anything that you mm -hmm. do eat, say, even like we, we were forced to speak French there, which was great. Cause it helped me learn my French, but we were also basically forced to eat whatever was put in front of us. And so for me, mm -hmm. that was super scary, but it definitely taught me that, oh, I did this for six months and nothing really changed. Like my bot, I didn't blow up like a balloon. I didn't like lose control or whatever. Mm -hmm. I thought those really bad things were going to happen. Like none of them happened. Mm -hmm. And so when I got back to the States, I decided to kind of continue with that. I started, um, officially seeing my now fiance and he also helped me a lot with just kind of like overcoming those stupid food rules because he would challenge me. So I'd be like, oh, well, I'm not like, I can't have this. And he's like, well, why not? And then when you sit there and think about it, you're like, oh, actually like, there's really no reason why I shouldn't be yeah. eating this. Yeah. Um, but then after that graduated, it was too late to do anything about like changing my degree at that point, because I was like, okay, I have one year left. I'm just going to see this through. And so I ended up finishing my degree, getting a job in tech, um, doing some like French translation work. And I liked it, but I also found myself like studying nutrition on the side. And then I decided to study for my personal training certification and ended up getting that. And when I finally ended up moving from Pittsburgh to Iowa, where I am now um, for my fiance's school, I took the leap of moving into the nutrition and health sphere full time because I was like, oh, well, I'm leaving my job. So might as yeah, well just keep not? doing mm -hmm. that. 
And that's kind of how I ended up where I'm at today. So I did decide in 2020 to go back to school to pursue my master's in nutrition at University of Western States. It's an online program, which is great. So I can do it from anywhere. Uh Um, And I really, through this program, have found a very, very passionate love for gut health, mostly because I realized in retrospect, that was kind of the core of my journey throughout this entire thing. I was always the person that like, suffered from gut problems. I remember being like 10 or 12, like even in elementary school, being so afraid that I was going to vomit. Like I was one of those kids where like, if one person threw up at school, I was like, well, I'm going to get it. Like I am terrified now and I'm going to like force myself basically into it. And so I would be like extraordinarily avoidant of situations like that. But then the anxiety manifested in the gut symptoms. And so that happened. And then Later on, when I was in college going through orthorexia, I had tons of gut issues that were all, well, yeah, pretty much all from under eating and just being a type A, very intense, anxious person all the time. And once, yeah. And once (laughs) I realized, like when, when I finally found that I was at a place where I felt healed, I realized I'm like, oh my God, I don't have gut issues anymore. And so I started looking into that more and just kind of dove in head first into the world of gut health and everything about it. It's so cool. Like it's such a fascinating part of our bodies. And so that's kind of what is driving my practice moving forward. I really do want to be able to do more like in-depth gut stuff in the future, which is good because my degree will allow me to be able to like run labs and do stuff like that once I'm actually finished with it. But for now, I would like to say there are so many things that you can do today to start benefiting your gut health in better ways that don't involve like expensive testing or having to go through your doctor. I love that. And so before mm-hmm. we get more into the the gut health stuff, a few things that you had kind of touched on that I wanted to go back to. So one, I love that your now fiance challenged you with food. I think that can be so difficult, especially like in a partnership sometimes. Mm-hmm. I know when I first started seeing my now husband, I was in that sort of, I was definitely going through orthorexia and having a lot of food issues and kind of coming out of a time of extreme exercise and things like that. So I definitely was in a similar spot. And I feel like while Brandon didn't like challenge me in that way, he just helped me see like, if I eat something because we're going to eat, like, it's not going to ruin everything for me. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. and that was just very eye-opening for me, like entering into a new relationship at that time and being in that, that headspace. Um, but I wanted to go back because something we haven't really talked too much about is orthorexia. And I think Mary and I definitely have both struggled with this. Struggled, in the past. Yeah. Um, and we've, we've talked about it a little bit, but I would love to go back just a little bit. And for you, Paige, what did that look like when you realized you did have a, like an issue and you needed to get help? I would love to hear a little bit more about that. Yeah. So I definitely, I mean, Every time, every time I did anything having to do with my orthorexia, there was a little voice in the back of my head going, do you really think you should be doing this? And I, I repressed that for a really long time because it was my coping mechanism. Like Mm -hmm. I didn't know, I, I think one of the biggest things with like mental health in general is that if you have a behavior that you're using to cope with something. So for me, it was like the painful loss of that relate that old relationship. If I took away that coping mechanism, that meant I would have to feel. I didn't want to feel like, oh my God, no. So I was like, okay, well, yeah. Is this the best thing for me? Probably not, but I didn't know how else to cope with it. So I was like, I Mm -hmm. guess I'm just going to keep doing this because 
in that moment, it was keeping my mental health quote safe. Sure. And so it is totally rational, um, to do something like that. However, like I said, every time I'd be like, oh, well, I'm only allowed to eat like X amount of calories right now, or like I'm only allowed to eat at this specific time, or I have to make sure that I go to the gym and I'm like doing this amount of exercise every single day, or I don't even know. Like I never really had an, or, which was also something when you sit down and actually like think about what's going to happen, you realize how irrational you're being. Um, Mm -hmm. but for me, like it was so hard to realize that it was actually a problem that I needed to change because orthorexic behaviors are things that people are like happy about or like gratify in our society. So I was losing weight and I was already like, I already recognize that I do have thin privilege. Like I'm in a smaller body, but I was in a really smaller body and people would be like, Oh my God, have you lost weight? You look so good. Or you have so much self-control. You're only eating this like, wow. And it was being praised all the time. And so for me, who is, like I said, classic type a overachiever, hard worker, I'm hearing praise. And so I'm going, okay, well, I guess because I'm being praised, that's the right thing to do. So I'm just going to keep doing it. And the, the first time that I actually got any kind of sign from someone outside of myself, that something was wrong was actually my mom. And I'm really grateful to her for that. Um, it was like probably a couple of weeks before I was leaving to go to France and she took me out to dinner and she actually like sat me down and like asked me point blank, like what was wrong and was I okay? And that was the first time anybody had done that before it was just like, oh yeah, you know, she's the healthy one, quote unquote, she's doing all these things. Um, and so I do credit my mom for being the one to actually ask me if I was okay. Um, and we both decided in that moment that like the best thing for me was going to France and like getting rid of that control and everything. And it turned out that it was, and I recognize that that's not like, (laughs) that's not something everybody can do. That was just kind of like already in the works. But Mm -hmm. having a conversation or just being okay, opening up to somebody and saying like, I think that something is wrong here. Having that conversation is going to be the biggest catalyst for change. And that's definitely something that I did when I did get back and got back with my now fiance. Like we, we have a very, very open relationship when it comes to all of those things. And communication is kind of what we founded our entire relationship on. And so even though he doesn't get it, like he still doesn't get it. He doesn't understand like what was going through my head at that point, but being able to have a conversation out loud and have him ask me questions about things made me think about them Mm -hmm. and be like, Oh, why am I actually doing this? Um, but for, if you're like, Oh, I don't feel like anything is wrong. And you're sitting there listening to this and you're like, Oh no, I think I'm okay. Some physical symptoms that I was going through were number one, I was freezing all the time, like all the time. I have pictures of me going to the movies with friends in the middle of summer. And I was wearing a down winter jacket because I was so cold in the theater. Like I couldn't, I had no body heat. Mm -hmm. Um, and I was thinking about food all the time. Like I'd think about food while I was eating my current food. Uh, I was counting everything. Like I counted the almonds that I allowed myself to eat. And I had like a quarter of a cucumber and like a handful of, like I knew everything of what I was eating and what I was quote allowed to eat. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the biggest one for me was I couldn't sleep. Like I would wake up at two o'clock in the morning, like clockwork every night and just be so hungry and like try and force myself to go back to bed. But I 
I don't know how, like I made it through school. My blood was basically coffee (laughs) for for those years. Like I just, because I couldn't sleep because all I was doing was thinking about food all the time. Sure. And I feel like I can relate to that so much, (laughs) especially during college. Like that's when it was like the hardest and it was just like energy drinks, coffee, like protein bars were like Mm -hmm. all that I had and it was so bad but oh my god and energy drinks and protein bars talk about gut health issues oh my god (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah and the other thing that I always did was I would chain chew packs of gum so I was going through like a pack Mm -hmm. of gum a day and that was actually something that I ditched when I was in France. And I realized that the gum was like a huge reason why I was so bloated and just like farting nonstop all the time. <laughs> and I'm, I'm serious. Like I yeah. thought that was like, oh my God, like what is wrong with me? Like I cannot stop farting. And it's like, oh my God, it was because I'm swallowing air and I'm having like God knows probably over a gram of artificial sweeteners every single day. Mm-hmm. Like that is just the recipe for disaster. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like when you, when you talked about like your mom kind of opening that conversation with you, I feel like I had a a similar experience. It was two of my friends and I actually lived with a friend at that time, but her and I worked a lot of opposite shifts. So again, it was very easy for me to like hide things. Mm -hmm. Um, and I remember two of my friends that I hadn't seen in a while came home and they came over and we were having like wine and chips. And I remember I was like tracking the amount of wine. Like I was measuring out and I was counting, okay, I can have 15 chips and here's my three tablespoons of salsa. And I remember them looking at me and be like, don't you think this is a little bit of an issue? And I was like, what do you mean? And they're mm-hmm. like, you're literally counting your chips and measuring your wine to put it in your phone. Don't you see like, that's an issue. We're like, we're just hanging out. Like, why can't you have some more? It's a Saturday yeah. night. And I was like, Oh, and it's like that, ba- that voice in the back of my head was like, hello, this is what I've been telling you. <laughs> exactly. It's like until someone else points it out, you're like, you don't want to like face that. And then it's like, soon as like they pointed out, it was like, oh yeah, I need to change something like this isn't okay. And so I, I feel like if you haven't had that conversation and someone does bring it up know it's very scary in that moment to be like, recognize that stuff about yourself, but it also, like you were saying, can be the catalyst for that change for yourself too, Mm -hmm. as long as you're open to it. And yeah, I think that's key. And I also think another thing that I work on with my clients a lot now is when someone asks you a question, it's not an always an attack on your character. Because mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of us are just primed to have somebody else point out something that is wrong about us. Yeah. And so like in your case with, with your friends or like me with my mom, if she asked me like, is everything okay? Because you don't seem okay. And I immediately was like, I don't seem okay. Like what's, you know, like getting all defensive, mm-hmm. that's not helpful. Like you can take the question as a genuine question. You don't have to make assumptions about the reason behind the person's question. You can ask about it and that's okay, which is something that I don't think people talk about either. No, (laughs) not at all. Well, and I like the fact that you touched upon, like, I, I feel like orthorexia is very easily Mm non-diagnosed because of the fact that it's healthy, healthy habits. You know, you're eating healthy, you're working out, like you're doing all the things that you're told to do. So you see it as like, well, I'm just doing what I'm supposed to do. Like, why is this an issue? But it's so much more than that. And I think that that's why so many people don't even realize that they have it. I completely agree with you. And I think that it's also super prevalent, especially on like fitness and health social media nowadays, Mm -hmm. 
Um, that definitely did not help me at the time. I definitely went through like a huge following, following purge after that whole experience, because I realized that I was just following people who were really disordered. And I looked Mm -hmm. up to them in the sense that I thought that that's what I needed to do to be healthy. But then it's weird because I followed everything that they were doing. I was eating the protein bars and working out all the time and barely eating anything. And yes, I looked good from the outside, but on the inside, like my body was falling apart. And I was Mm -hmm. like, there's no way that these people feel as good as they say that they're feeling while doing this. It's impossible. And I had to put myself through that to realize it, which is obviously not what I would recommend, but I think it's important to point out that like, if you see someone on social media and they're just ripped they're probably not feeling that great. Yeah, Yeah, I feel like it's an interesting world we live in with social media because you can portray things so easily when they're not Mm -hmm. that way. And especially with just all of the fitness and health content that's out there today, it's so easy to be triggered, one triggered by someone, but also to see something and think, well, they're doing it. That's, that's the great way to, to live my life or, you know, whatever. And it's so easy to be like, well, they're doing that. They have a a million followers. So I have to Mm -hmm. do this too. And that's not always the case. And sometimes you shouldn't really follow people on the internet. Exactly. And it's, it's so crazy because when I find posts that have like the best information out there, it's always the accounts that have almost no followers. If you go to someone who has like millions of followers and you watch like their, what I eat in a day or like health advice, anything, I'm always like this, there is no science here. Like not to say that there aren't, there isn't value in like clinical experience either because there is, but some of the claims that I see online, I'm just like, where did this come from? Like, you probably heard this from someone who heard it from someone who heard it from someone and none of it is actually true. It's just getting like picked up and permeated because it looks sexy or whatever. Yeah. 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 And so, and getting- so many of, oh, sorry. sorry. I was just going to say so many of those, like how, like what I eat a day are like all processed foods too. Oh yeah. Like if Completely. you see someone eating all processed foods only, like it might be time to like turn that YouTube yeah. video off. Red flag. <laughs> walk away. <laughs> yeah. And so actually that, that gateway me perfectly, Mary. So processed awesome. food, obviously also not good for gut health. So like we, we kind of were telling you right before we started recording, we have not had a lot of conversations on gut health. Mm-hmm. So I would just like to let you just talk, like what should, like, what are some things to notice about? Like, if you're having gut health issues, what are some things you can start doing? Like, I just feel like I need to know everything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I no no issues with that whatsoever. So I'll just start talking and like, let me know if you want me to stop and you have a question, <laughs> nah, a something podcast, like do know. something. <laughs> okay. Well, cause I, I want to be able to like talk about things that are important. Cause I can ramble for hours, but basically your gut is honestly, I think like the most important part of your body, obviously everybody is going to be biased there, but um, it's also important to realize that your gut actually isn't you. It's made up of like tens of millions of microbes inside you. Um, in, if you were to like take them all out and kind of like hold them in the palm of your hand, it would actually weigh about the same as your brain. So you have about that much of like, not you in you that's helping you out, which is really cool. Interesting. Yeah. Um, the, the numbers vary because people are always like, well, there's this many microbes. No, it says there's this many microbes. It's about either like half of your cells or up to double the amount of your cells is in your microbiome, but nobody really knows for sure yet. So once again, if you ever see anybody speaking in definites, run away. (laughs) There are no (laughs) definites when it comes to this stuff. But the important thing here is your 
your digestive system in general is kind of a whole body system. It uses multiple organs and it kind of runs all the way from your brain, all the way through to your large intestine. So if you are having digestive issues, it could be any one of those things that is wrong. So there's always like the sexy things that are going on in the gut health world. So right now I know that SIBO is a big one. So this, that is small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. Now, usually your gut microbiome is in your colon, your large intestine, and that's where it's supposed to live. But when you have SIBO, some of those bacteria are going to migrate back up into your small intestine. And that's where some issues are going to occur. Despite this fact, if you have a gut issue, it's not always SIBO. It's just kind of like the issue that everyone is talking about right now. And Mm -hmm. so I want to preface that, but I guess I'm getting ahead of myself. I'll, I'll start top down. So let's say you eat a piece of food. The first thing that's going to happen is there is something in your mouth called salivary amylase, which is a digestive enzyme that breaks down carbs. I don't know if you guys ever did like in science class where you get a saltine and you leave it on your tongue and it starts tasting sweet. Mm -hmm. That's because your tongue, like the, the juices in your saliva are actually starting to digest it and break it down into sugars. So that's why that saltine thing works kind of cool. If you've never done it, give it a shot. It's fun. But then you chew up their food and swallow it. It goes down your esophagus and into your stomach. Your stomach contains two like primary digestive things. So first it's going to be hydrochloric acid or HCL. That's your stomach acid. Um, People who have acid reflux talk about stomach acid a lot. The other thing that's in your stomach is pepsin, which is a protein degrading enzyme. So if you're eating any kind of protein at all, it's going to start to break down in your stomach. The key thing here is that stomach acid is important and we're constantly taught all the time, like, Oh, stomach acid is bad. It's causing acid reflux. Like that's something that we have to like take proton pump inhibitors for, or take a bunch of Tums because that can cause issues, but without enough stomach acid, your food's not going to be properly digested. And it's going to stop things from moving forward. Because if your stomach actually doesn't reach a low enough pH digestion, doesn't continue that little sphincter that's called the um, pyloric sphincter at the bottom of your stomach will refuse to open and let food go down until it gets to a low enough pH. You need to have enough stomach acid and enough digestion happen to let that go on. So if you're suffering from kind of like a feeling of indigestion or any kind of acid reflux, one of the first things that I always look at with people is, are you producing enough stomach acid and enough pepsin to digest your food properly? Because if not, everything is just going to get stuff like stuffed up. Um, if you do, and that's great. Then that sphincter will open and it lets all of your food into your small intestine. This is where nutrient absorption happens. So your small intestine is really cool. It actually has like all of these little fingers on the inside called villi that will reach out and grab the little broken down food particles and pull them into your bloodstream to be used by your body. Um, this is also where a lot of other different digestive enzymes uh, are like breaking down any bigger particles that weren't digested earlier in the stomach. Um, those are coming from your pancreas. So you need to have good pancreatic health and as well as your fats are being broken down by bile acids, which come from your liver, get sent to your gallbladder, your gallbladder releases them into your small intestine. And that kind of helps break those down as well. Then once all of the nutrients are pulled out of your small intestine, whatever is left gets shoved to your large intestine to feed your microbiome. And that is like 
one of the coolest things in the world to me. So people always say like, make sure you have enough fiber. The -hmm. cool thing about fiber is your body doesn't eat the fiber, but your gut does. That's why it's important to eat fiber. It's feeding your gut bacteria. Your gut bacteria will break down some of, not all of the things in your large intestine. And they also create these things called short chain fatty acids out of it, which are super important for overall health. Um, it's butyrate, propriate, and I think acetate, something like that. Um, but butyrate's the most important one, quote unquote, uh, in the literature right now. Um, it's associated with like lower inflammation and just overall better health. And then after that, nothing's really left except waste products. And so that's what ends up coming out of us at the end. And so if you are looking for the answer to the question, cause I get this a lot, like what does good gut health look like? Sure. The answer is you don't notice anything wrong. Like if you are feeling uncomfortable, if you're feeling bloated, if you get acid reflux, if like you're straining to go to the bathroom, any of those things is happening, there's probably something that you can work on. But if you're like, I have never once thought about my digestion in any capacity, congratulations. You probably have a healthy gut, like it, which is good because most of us don't like most of us do suffer from something going wrong in that process, at least sometimes. Yeah. And so one thing you had talked about that I wanted to ask, and I don't, maybe, you know, something about this, maybe you don't. So you're talking about people with less acid. So I know something that I have is actually too much acid in my stomach. Mm-hmm. Um, from, I had a gallbladder surgery years ago and um, because my bile like wasn't producing correctly or something like that. I don't remember exactly the reason they told me, but then I remember I was getting, and I, this is when I first met Mary and I was actually, we were working at the same job at the same time. I was getting these intense stomach pains that like mm-hmm. would take me out. And then we worked at a bank at the time. I had to go like mm-hmm. in the vault room floor and like lay on the floor, just in so much pain. And so I remember I went back to, um, a specialist and they were telling me because of my gallbladder removal, I now had too much acid in my stomach. And it was like, mm-hmm. So I'm curious, do you know much about like that side of things? And like, I guess, like, is there a way to continue to work with my, cause it's not, it's something that like my, that doctor was like, oh, well, when you eat fatty foods, this is going to happen. We can put you on medication the rest of your life. And I was like, I don't want that. I was like 25 at the time. I was like, yeah. I don't want that. And he was like, well, I don't want that for you either. So just avoid fatty foods. And I was like, okay. And it's like, sometimes it still comes up though. And I'm like, this doesn't just seem normal. Yeah. Yeah. No. So like, obviously it depends. It's sure. everyone's least favorite answer, but it's the most true answer. Mm-hmm. Yes. But for a lot of people, like you said, if you did have a gallbladder removal, the one thing that they, the doctor did say that is probably true right there is you should be avoiding extraordinarily fatty foods. And that's just because without bile, your body can't break them down effectively. And so that's just going to hinder your digestion forever because you don't have that part of your body anymore. Sure. However, luckily for you, your liver is actually what creates bile. So even though you don't have a gallbladder, which would be that like storage center for the bile so that you could have more come out at once, you are still producing bile. It's just on a much smaller scale than the average person would. Um, the one thing I would suggest would be probably to supplement with that as well. So there are ox bile supplements that people take, I think that are often prescribed for people who have gallbladder surgeries. Um, you can also supplement um, with things like, um, bio, like the bile salts, as well as like dandelion root or artichoke or chicory things that are like really bitter tend to stimulate bile production in your liver. So that could be helpful. The other piece of the puzzle though, if you're suffering from like that acid reflux is that it's not all just about the acid. It's also about another sphincter 
And this one's called your lower esophageal sphincter. And that's the one that separates your esophagus from your stomach. And for a lot of people who suffer from acid reflux, it's not actually the acid problem per se, it's the sphincter problem. And the, the reason that that one is problematic is because there is a pressure system that happens between those two parts of your body. And if the lower esophageal sphincter is relaxing when it's not supposed to, that's, what's going to let the acid back up. It's supposed to stay nice and closed, except for like when you swallow food, but if it's opening back up, then that means that there is actually like a muscle issue that's going on there. It's not necessarily just the acid itself. And so one of the most common, like therapeutic, like naturopathic therapeutic techniques for that is actually to take melatonin um, at night. And it is extremely good at kind of helping the muscle tone of your lower esophageal sphincter heal. And you can actually, I, I don't have a study off the top of my head, but you can look it up. It's actually one of the only things that people have been able to find that go to the root cause of the issue and actually help that muscle instead of just like saying, oh, well, if you're having acid, we're just going to like taper down your acid because we can't fix the root cause. So that would definitely be something to look into. Interesting. I would have never guessed like melatonin. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That is not something I would have ever thought. I know. No one talks about this stuff. Well, and it's so interesting because like I get acid reflux like all the time Mm -hmm. and it's like, people would always just say like, oh, well, it's because of what you're eating. But like, I would eat like a salad or like a banana and I would still get acid reflux. Like it wasn't like I was eating like highly fatty foods. So it's like, people will just say like, oh, it's this or that or whatever. But it's nice to like hear like what the root causes of those things are so Mm -hmm. that you can like go and like dive deep into like fixing it. Yeah. And yeah, like you said, melatonin, like I would never have thought that. Yep. Melatonin is a great one. Um, it's like, I think the dosage for that is like two and a half grams at night. Um, obviously take it at night. Cause it is gonna, it, it is a sleep hormone. So <laughs> yeah. you take it at night and not in the morning, but it still will be effective obviously throughout the rest of the day. But yeah, other like triggers for acid reflux that people don't think about are eating times. So like if you're eating before bed, like right before bed, that can present a problem just because if you're eating and then laying down, gravity is kind of against you there. Um, so a lot of the time I find that people who have like really late dinners tend to have more acid reflux just because there's not enough time for things to move down further Mm -hmm. into your small intestine before you go to sleep. So that can help. And then another huge trigger is drinking liquids with meals. You shouldn't be drinking a ton of water or a ton of anything with like during your meals. And I can see the looks on both of your faces. <laughs> I drink so, like a whole one of these. Yeah, <laughs> no, right? I know. I was thinking the same thing. So liquid is important. I'm drinking water right now. That's fantastic. Have it not with your meals. Um, the reason for that, people always say it's like, oh, well, it dilutes your stomach acid. No, it doesn't. Your stomach acid is basically like battery acid. Drinking some water is not going to change anything. Like that is not the reason, but the real reason is that pressure change, the more volume you have in your stomach, the more likely that the pressure is going to build up and force that sphincter open. And so drinking a bunch of liquids with meals is not recommended. And that's really for anyone, even if you don't suffer from acid reflux regularly, it can still cause you to have some issues if you're pounding liquids during your meals. Interesting. That's so interesting. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's like my toxic, like old brain, but it was like, people will be like, Oh, drink a glass of water while you're eating. So that like, you don't eat as faster. much or like you feel, yeah, you're fuller faster, but that's, I'm like literally like mind blown right now. <laughs> yeah. If you're yeah. going to do that, like if, if you do, like it, it's still important to be hydrated, obviously, sure. mm-hmm. but 
if you have a glass of water, like 30 ish minutes before you eat fine, but it's the, the constant during is what ends up becoming problematic because if you are just drinking water by itself, it's not going to sit in your stomach very long. There's nothing to digest. So it is just going to go through, get processed, um, within a relatively quick amount of time. But yeah, if you're doing it with all of the food, your body is like, okay, well, I can't let anything through yet because I have to actually like break down this food before I let it move along. But all the water is trapped in there and it's not going to be like selective about what it's letting through. So yeah, it's going to cause that pressure buildup and probably cause some issues. I, now I have to tell my husband that he's not weird for not drinking anything. <laughs> I know. I was telling Brendan's like the same way. I'm like, I feel like I have to go with like, so you're doing this right. <laughs> I always yeah, make, com- right. I always make comments. Cause I don't drink anything during meals and like, yeah, my fiance Jordan does. And so every once in a while I'll make a comment about it and he just like puts his head down. Like, I'm, <laughs> I'm sorry, but he, like, whatever, like some, for some people, it doesn't really do that much, but like, if you are suffering from that problem, then yeah, like stop, see if it helps. Yeah. yeah. And so one thing I wanted to kind of ask about with gut health. So if people are noticing like maybe even like just the bloatedness, I know that mm-hmm. was something I haven't feel like, or I don't feel like I struggle with as much as I used to, unless I'm on like my period, but I used to always feel bloated. And so when people are more in like that stage, what's something that they can start doing, or is there anything that you would recommend start implementing food-wise, supplement-wise, anything like that to kind of start actually working on their gut health without, you know, seeing a doctor or anything. Yes. So, I mean, the first thing, depending on you, when did you say this episode is coming out like in April sometime? So hi, at this point, my rock the bloat course is probably open. I'm currently creating a mini course all about bloating. And we, it talks about all of those things that like you just mentioned, like we talk about hormones, we talk about exercise, we talk about like all of these different foods and like different triggers for bloating. So if you are kind of like, I have no idea where to start, definitely come over and check that out. But in general, just a couple of tips that I like to give to people. Number one is chew your freaking food. People constantly all the time are like, I have such terrible digestion. And I say, okay, well, what do you do while you're eating? And they're like, oh, well, you know, I'm watching TV. I'm having a conversation. I'm still eating at my desk and I eat in like five to 10 minutes. I'm like, okay, next time you eat, sit there. And I'm not kidding. Count 30 chews before you swallow. People are like, how, like that takes so long. How do you do that? And like your stomach does not have teeth. That is, I have a post about that where it's like this little cartoon (laughs) of a stomach with teeth on it. It's like, it does not have teeth. So if you're swallowing giant chunks of food, all you're doing is putting more stress on your stomach and your small intestine to break that down when you could have been breaking it down all along by just chewing it better first. That is a huge bloating cause. Um, Another thing that the orthorexics will relate to are any kind of like foods with tons of different sugar alcohols and gums in them. So protein bars, halo top ice cream, um, like, I don't, I don't know, uh, Arctic zero ice cream, all of the nonsense (laughs) that is like part of the diet culture trends have different compounds in them that really aren't that great for gut health, especially if you are eating them in excess, because I always get people that'll come on my posts and be like, oh, well to get this kind of an issue, you'd have to be eating like this many grams of erythritol. And I'm like, yeah, but if you're having something at every single meal, or you're having like 10 snacks a day of, because you're only eating like hundred calories at a time and they all have erythritol in it, chances are you're going to feel like crap. Like Mm -hmm. that's it compounds. So for anyone who's going to be like, it's just a little bit, it's like, well, that little bit adds up. So just be careful with that. 
Um, and then another thing that I find that is really common with bloating is like an obsession with eating too many healthy foods, even whole foods. So I know for me, I was like, oh, well, chickpeas are super healthy and brown rice. And I'm going to eat tons of like raw veggies of all different kinds, because I know that's really healthy for me. Even when I was kind of like getting out of orthorexia and switching to like a more whole foods, like inclusive diet, I was still eating a lot of that stuff. But the thing is legumes are plants that have lectins in them. And while lectins aren't like they're demonized a lot right now, but they are something that is considered an anti-nutrient. It's a product that the plant creates for itself to protect itself. It's supposed to make eating them less enjoyable so that you don't eat them because the plant doesn't actually want to be eaten. So that is something to consider if you're eating a lot of like different legumes, beans, stuff like that, and having a lot of bloating, that is something to consider. Um, brown rice instead of white rice, nutritionally, not actually that different, even though people have been saying for forever that white rice is like terrible for you. Mm -hmm. It is not. And I exclusively eat white rice. Now Jasmine rice is my jam. Um, I think that the East Asian culture had it right when they figured out how to refine it, because once again, brown rice has those plant compounds in it that are going to hinder digestion. So if you're constantly eating that your gut's not going to be too happy. Same thing goes for like giant raw salads, raw things are inherently harder to digest because all of the plant fibers are still intact. If you cook them first, that cooking process is going to start to break them down. And so it'll be easier for your body to digest. But for all of those people who are like, oh, I eat a giant salad with every meal and I'm bloated all the time. It's like, well, yeah. Also, are you chewing it enough? Cause like probably not. And so if you're swallowing raw plant matter, that's going to be awful in your digestion as well. Um, and then probably the last thing to cover is is it just all in your head? Cause it might be. Um, I find that a lot of people, if you have one bad experience where you get really bloated eating something, your brain kind of primes you to like the next time you eat that thing go, Oh, well, it made me feel sick last time. So I'm basically going to make myself feel sick this time because there is a thing called your enteric nervous system, which is kind of like your gut brain connection through your vagal nerve that stretches all the way from your brain, all the way down. And your brain and your gut talk to each other. So if your brain is saying like, oh, hey, last time this made me feel sick, your gut might be respond by going, oh, well, like I'm sick, I guess. So I'm going to make you feel uncomfortable. And it really like, it's obviously more chemically complicated than that, but in a nutshell, that's what's going on sometimes. And so I find that doing kind of the more relaxation, stress relief type of like work on yourself can do a lot to help with bloating as well. Oh, fascinating. I'm like, I don't I even know what to question. I'm just like soaking, like, like, soaking it back in. Yeah. <laughs> it's seriously, oh. it, it's so like, like I said, I could talk for hours about this because there's always something new to talk about. Like there's always something different going on. Sure. And one thing I wanted to ask you too, and this is kind of steering off of gut health a little bit specifically, mm-hmm. but as you started learning more about food and nutrition and how to actually like properly fuel yourself. How, if anything, did that change your workouts and how you actually moved your body? Yeah. So I, when I first started out, um, exercising, I definitely was a Jillian Michaels junkie. Um, now knowing what I know and being a personal trainer, I would say, please run as far away from her as physically possible. (laughs) I, there is, if you want a laugh, there is an old YouTube video of her doing kettlebell swings where it's like the most abhorrent kettlebell swings I've ever seen in my entire life. And you could definitely like 
throw your spine out of place doing them the way that she chose to do them. But anyway, um, yeah, so I was doing tons of like cardio, low weights, jumping around, going on the elliptical. Um, I had terrible knee pain because I was jumping like all the time. Sure. And that was something I was like, oh my God, absolutely not. And then when I was in France, obviously I didn't have enough like space or free time to do any of those kinds of at-home workouts. And so I was just walking a lot, but I also met one of my now best friends when I was over there and she was into weightlifting. And so she was like, you should check out weightlifting. Like, it's really fun, blah, blah, blah. And so when I came home, I actually signed up for my college's like intro to weightlifting class and got into doing that. But I definitely did kind of stumble through the, like the Instagram fitspo side of weightlifting before I found like my now what I'm doing with weightlifting, where it was a lot more of like, oh, well, here's leg day, here's glute day, back and biceps and all of these different split routines. Mm -hmm. And I found that while I did kind of get stronger a little bit, it was a good stepping stone. I did not see the kind of results that I saw when I actually flipped over to doing full body exercises and focusing more on just compound lifts and getting overall stronger and working on like mobility and stuff too, to be more functional. Um, that is what actually made me my strongest self, which I consider myself to be today. Um, and so that's definitely more of what I focus on. I actually do have a program called Corgi workouts, uh, cause I do have a Corgi. And so there's just like a little <laughs> pun there, but, um, it's two to three days a week of full body workouts and they're all phased. So some, the first phase, like first three ish weeks, you do really like low reps, higher weight exercises. And then you switch into kind of like middleweight middle reps and then do lighter weight and higher reps. So you're constantly challenging your body and switching things up enough that you continue to progress, but also not switching things up like daily so that you never get better at what it is you're doing. Cause I think the biggest issue right now is people are like, Oh yeah, well, I'm going to the gym and I'm doing a new thing every time. And I'm like, you're never going to get better at anything. If you're doing yeah. a new thing every time, yeah. like the basics are boring, but they're the basics for a reason. <laughs> yeah. It's so crazy that you say that. Cause my husband tells me like all the time, like you need to be doing full body. He's like, it's yep. not just like back and arms day or like back and thighs day. He's like, you can't just focus on that. Like you need to be doing full body workouts. Yep. And I was, I'm always like, no, like I see it on Instagram <laughs> and I see it on whatever. And it's just like, it makes sense. Yeah. The thing with that is like, if you do split routines, like obviously if you are super dedicated and you're going to get to the gym, like six days a week, mm-hmm. you you can do a split because then you're still going to be hitting those same muscle groups, probably like two or three times a week, depending on what your split looks like. But for most people, that's just not something that they want to be doing. Like you don't want to be in the gym six days a week. So that's where doing a full body workout, you're still hitting every single muscle group two to three times, you're just there a lot less. And I also find that it helps with like soreness and stuff. Cause people go to the gym and be like, it was leg day. Now I can't walk for three days. And it's like, is that helpful though? Like <laughs> you, you spent so much time, like on that one muscle group that you can't function as a human being like that. That's not good for you, like physically or mentally. So true. I've, I've never really thought about it like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and one thing too, that I wanted to ask, oh, I know you focus on like hormone health too. So for mm-hmm. women specifically, because our hormone cycles are so different compared to men's, you know, is there anything that women should take into consideration with 
kind of their gut health, but also maybe the way they're moving their body around their cycle. But what specifically (laughs) on the gut health side of things, is there anything like as we get closer to ovulating or closer to our period that we should really be doing more or less of? Absolutely. So estrogen increases bloating because estrogen in your body is going to increase the amount of Uh, water that your blood plasma holds. So that is why people tend to get really bloated before their periods is if you have very high estrogen. Um, Estrogen is also responsible. Well, estrogen and progesterone both are also responsible for GI transit time. So that's going to be like how fast things are moving from your mouth to coming out of you. In an ideal world, that would be happening probably like 24 to 36 hours is like the average quote unquote healthy ish, uh, transit time for specific foods. But if during certain times of the month, you might notice like, Oh, Hey, I'm eating something and I'm noticing it like corn, for example, cause like humans don't digest corn. So this is always what I use with my clients. If you eat some corn time, how long it takes for you to see it come out the other end then you're going to kind of know how fast are things moving? Should we work on speeding things up or slowing things down? Um, During your period, for example, you might also notice that you have the period poops, which is something I did a post on recently too. And that happens because of those hormone fluctuations, but also because when we are on our periods, what the, the hormone and the protein that is causing us to shed that uterine lining and release it are called prostaglandins prostaglandins are causing that, like the muscle, um, contractions so that all of that is happening, but they are not specific as to what kind of muscle contractions they're going to cause. And so that's why we get cramping and also why you might get some diarrhea because all of a sudden everything is going to tense up and kind of squeeze everything out very quickly. Um, so in order to manage that, um, the advice that I usually give to people is to kind of like cut down a little bit on coffee around your period. Um, coffee in general is a stimulant. It's going to increase cortisol. It's going to increase prostaglandin production. You don't have to go like give up coffee forever, but I'm just saying like, if you have like six cups a day, maybe don't do that before your period. Um, another thing that you can do is support liver function because your liver is your detox powerhouse. And that includes detoxing like too many hormones that are going on. So if you are suffering from more of like a high estrogen type symptom load, then supporting your liver with things like dandelion root tea, um, other bitters, cruciferous vegetables that are cooked. If you're having issues with gut health, all of those things are going to do really good things to help support that. And let's see what else. Oh, and then my, I guess my favorite thing that I've been introducing with my clients is to have raw carrots. So if you have a raw carrot every single day, there's specific like fibers and proteins in the carrots that are going to help your body, um, like actually eliminate excess estrogen. It latches on to those molecules. However, it has to be a raw carrot and has to be a, like an actual carrot, not a baby carrot. You need the fibers in the skin. So a lot of times people are like, well, I started eating baby carrots. It's like, it's, it's not the same thing. Like it, it took that fiber off and that fiber is the important thing. And so by having those raw carrots daily, there's actually like a lot of research coming out on like helping excess estrogen removed from the body like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you are on birth control, as I know many people are know that you probably are suffering from those kinds of symptoms because the amount of estrogen in a birth control pill is like three times the amount that our bodies usually have, even though it's not obviously like the exact 
bioreplica of what our body creates, but it is three times the amount as normal. So if you're having these symptoms, even when you're on birth control, that could be the reason why. And so I just, I currently, as of recording this, I am still on hormonal birth control. So just know that I empathize with you. Cause I know a lot of people are like, oh, you're so high and mighty for saying like, you're off of birth control. And it's like, no, I get it. I don't want a baby right now. So I'm still on birth control. And so like, I am, but then you have to know the, like the pros and cons, like the consequences of what you're doing. So like, I know I'm on it and I know it could be messing with certain things in my body, but for me right now, the trade-off of knowing I'm not going to spontaneously get pregnant is better later in life. I can make a different change. And honestly, the same goes for really anything you're going to do with your health. If, if you're going to do something that is fine. You just have to realize that there are consequences to your actions all the time. Yeah. And I feel like just, we don't have to touch on this for long, but I feel like birth control is something we talked about with other episodes. Like mm-hmm. doctors don't talk about the consequences. They just oh, put on it. Absolutely so it's not. Like, it just sucks that we have to figure those out on our own. And then mm-hmm. it's usually like 10 years of us already on that to figure out like, oh, is this a decision I still want to do? Like, I just, I, I hate that. (laughs) I know we've said that in other episodes, but I just have to say it again. (laughs) Yeah. And if, if you're looking for something, um, like a lot of information about that, I would recommend looking up Dr. Jolene Brighton. She has a book all about like birth control and the consequences of it and like how to get off of it safely. Um, and not that you can't just stop it. Like, obviously you could, but you might notice that when you just stop it, you're going to have some symptom flares, especially if you got on birth control for a specific issue. Uh, and you haven't addressed that issue at all, then chances are it is going to come back full force as soon as you stop it, because you are just suppressing it. You're not actually fixing it. Yeah. Like one of our other guests was saying um, earlier this week when we were talking to her, it's like when you take off take, or stop taking the birth control, it's like, you're just taking off that bandage that's been mm-hmm. there for X amount of years. So yep. that issue's still there. You just have to figure out what that issue is. That's actually exactly. causing, you know, X, Y, and Z. Um, I know we've been talking about gut health for a while, so I want to change directions a little yeah. bit. <laughs> um, for you specifically, I know I was looking kind of through your site and what you offer, and I would love to hear like, what are the different ways that clients can work with you and what are those different ways look like? Yeah. So the, the big, the best way to work with me is obviously going to be one-on-one, um, with my clients. I always, do like personalized programs for everybody. So I have some clients that are focused exclusively on gut health stuff. Like they think they have good relationships with food, but they're still having issues trying to figure that out. And so I work with them to do that. Then I have other clients who come to me and they're like, I know everything about nutrition. And a lot of them do, but they're still not comfortable with the mindset work when it comes to food. They're still like finding themselves like caught in that orthorexia, caught in that diet culture. And so then I'll work with them on trying to kind of like reduce that guilt and realize like there's more to life than food and you can be healthy while eating quote unhealthy things. And it's not going to ruin you and like focus on more of the mental work. So those would be kind of like the two spheres that I would throw my clients into. Um, but I do all encompassing one-on-one work. So we'll talk about nutrition, stress reduction, sleep, and exercise. Um, I'll do personalized programming for those clients and hold them accountable. Like we, uh, I use an app called Voxer with my clients and I check in with them daily. So you're always going to have like a little nudge, even if it's just like a, Hey, you doing okay. Yep. Okay. That, that is going to be something that happens. Um, right now, as of recording this, I only have two spaces available left for this month, but it changes as time goes on. Um, and with that, I also want to preface that like 
my goal as a coach is to make it so that you don't need me anymore. So I'm not one of those people that's like, oh, I want you to come and sign on with me and then sign on with me forever. Like you're trapped with me for life. If you have somebody like that, then they're probably just stringing you along. Just saying like you want to have somebody, you want to partner up with somebody for a while to teach you the ropes and teach you how to do things on your own. And then kind of like kick them out of the nest and let them go. And obviously I never like fire my clients, but I also don't like, if I genuinely think that they're in a good place to go forth and do things on their own, I don't stop them because that's not my job. So if you're worried that you're going to get trapped into something for forever, I just want to put that worry to bed. Um, cause I, <laughs> I just think it's ridiculous, but yeah, so that would be like, like I said, the most contact with me. Um, the next way to work with me would be through my compass method DIY program. I originally ran it back in, I believe was it early 2021. Yeah. was the first round of it. And at that point it was like a live course, but I've since turned it into a DIY course. So it's basically three months plus. Cause I added a little bit more of content where you're still going to learn all of the things about nutrition, um, gut health, sleep, stress reduction exercises, and how to make that work for your body, as well as things on like body image, diet, culture, lies, all of that kind of stuff. Um, as video module content and then a personal Facebook group. So all of the women that have gone through that program are in there and I'm in there and we'll all like be in there answering questions and talking about that kind of program. That's just set at like a little bit of a lower price point so that if people are like, oh, I got this, I can do it myself. I just want to know where to start. That's what I would recommend. Um, and then, like I said, when this comes out, my rock the bloat course will probably be coming out. That one is also going to be like a do it yourself online class where you'll have video modules and slides from me. And that's digging all into the bloating stuff. And that does have new information that isn't covered in compass method as well. So that's something to think about, but it is going to be like my starter course. So that, that would be like something if you haven't ever really considered health, or if you do like think that, you know, everything about health, but you're still suffering from bloating, you can still definitely get a lot out of that course. And then if you're just looking for a workout, I have my Corgi workout program. And that is, like I said, two to three days a week, full body exercises. It ends up being with the pre-phase two, I think it's like an 11 week program. So you have like pretty much like three months of programming and I recommend running it multiple times because since it is phased, you can kind of like go back to the beginning and start over again and see how strong you've got. Um, I've had tons of people go through that and get awesome PRs and strength gains myself included. Uh, I, I ran it for, I think three or four cycles before I decided to actually put it up because I wanted to make sure that it worked first. Um, so it is tried and true and I love that. So if you're just looking to kind of like do the exercise thing, check that out. All of the exercises are linked to my YouTube channel with exercise demonstrations too. So you'll not be like, oh my God, what is this? It's right there for you. That makes a lot of sense because when I was, I was actually looking at your YouTube channel, I saw a lot of exercises. I was like, oh, these are so fun. She has a bunch of exercises, like just short exercise videos that makes more sense. Like that's yep. for that specifically. Yep. It's all linked into there. So yeah. Like if you want to just look at the exercise videos, those are free on YouTube, but if you want to know how to actually program them to get the results, that's what the program is for. So yeah. And that was, oh my God, that was such a project. I took, it probably took me about two hours to film all of the exercises and then like another week and a half to actually edit all of those shorts together. It was, <laughs> it was so tiring by the end. I was like, oh my God, I just lifted for two hours. <laughs> <laughs> I love oh, that. Gosh. Um, 
a couple call outs to what you said is like, I love that you're like, I am trying to get you to like, know how to do this on your own yeah. because I feel like so many coaches are not like that. And so many people that are like trainers are not like that. And you'll, you'll hear someone be like, oh, I've been working with them for like five years. And it's like, mm-hmm. can you not do it on your own? Like, like some people do need that push or like that yeah. motivation to get to the gym. But at the same time, I feel like so many people don't teach them how to do things so that they continue to be there. Yeah. So I love that first of all. And then, um, I also love that you ran your own program because I feel like that's also something that a lot of trainers don't do. Yeah. So and and like I said, I have the proof, like you can go back and look through my old videos. It's like what I was squatting before is not what I'm squatting now. Like it, it worked. I, I did it. Yeah. Um, but then, yeah, like as far as, uh, like having clients for a really long time, I currently have two clients that I've been seeing for like about two years that both of them have no intention of stopping. But like you said, it's, they, they like having the accountability. Like mm-hmm. at this point, yeah, it's like, sure. I tweak little things and we talk about like different things that come up in their lives. But for the most part, it's like, I am literally just here because they like having a cheerleader in their corner and they're in a space yeah. where they can do that. But yeah, everybody else, it's like, I would say, um, usually like three or six months together is kind of like my average time for clients. And then after that, everybody's like, you know, I think I'm going to try this on my own. And I'm like, more power to you. Like that's, yeah. that's what I'm here for. Like, I want to be the the mama bird that pushes you out of the nest when you're ready. Yeah. I, like I love that. that. Uh, and something I, we always like to ask our guests is, do you keep any sort of morning or evening routines that really help set you up or I guess, close out your day for you? Yeah, uh, absolutely. I am a routine junkie. Like okay, I, when you said type I, a, I assumed, yes, I thrive <laughs> so much. Well, so it's like, I thrive a lot on routine, but I try and be flexible when I have to be, but I do know that there are certain things that make me feel my best. Um, so my mornings all look absolutely exactly the same. So I get out of bed and go downstairs and let out my dog. Uh, cannoli. He's a Corgi. He's um, adorable. And then his name is Cannoli. Yeah. That is so cute. (laughs) (laughs) We're very proud of that name. Uh, I have to say my fiance came up with it. We had the name picked out about four years before we actually had the dog. So (laughs) it was, it was a process, but yeah, so I let him out and then, um, I'll start the coffee maker and make breakfast. I usually have like either, um, I'll make like protein pancakes or, um, oatmeal, which is basically like it's, it's like oatmeal, but it's made with chia seeds and hemp seeds and cauliflower. So it's like a little bit more nutrient dense in the morning. I find that it keeps me fuller way longer than just traditional oats. There's nothing wrong with oats, but yeah, for me, it works best. And then, um, I will sit down and eat. And then after that, I usually pull tarot and that's something I've been doing for like a year and a half now. And I actually share a daily card poll. So I I'll pull one for myself and then like one for everybody else. (laughs) So I have like two different things going on there. And then after that, because I am a total nerd, I actually sit down and play like half an hour of animal crossing on my Nintendo switch. (laughs) I have been playing. I I did take a brief hiatus in like, I, I think it was like may of last year because I finally was doing some traveling. But other than that, I've been playing literally every single day for at least that like morning time since the game came out in March of 2020 and basically saved my life. <laughs> oh my God. Time. So many hours have been in that game. It's embarrassing when I look at my hour play. <laughs> yeah. I'm not even going to share mine. Um, but it's bad. Like it's definitely my highest played game, uh, but I love it and it makes me really happy. And yeah. so then after that, then things kind of change. Like sometimes I'll immediately go and like do a workout or, um, sometimes I'll like do some computer work beforehand 
Uh, but I am a morning workout person. So usually that'll at least happen before lunch. Um, and, but like I said, I'm trying to be a little more flexible about it. Like some days I really can't work out in the morning. Like I have all morning client appointments. And so I'm trying to realize like, even though I do that, I can do it in the afternoon. Like I have the time in the afternoon. It's okay. So those kinds of like gentle schedule changes are great. And then at night, it's, it's kind of like a really chill, like I don't really do anything super crazy as a nighttime routine. I do do my skincare, which I use primally pure for, um, I started that in like 2018 and I've never looked back. My skin has just never been happier. So I use that. And then, um, usually like make sure that I switch my phone to like red light mode because I'm a big believer in like making sure that I'm not just overstimulating my brain with a ton of blue light before going to bed. But for the most part, it's just kind of like chill, watch a TV show or something with my fiance. And then we'll like brush our teeth and put cannoli to bed and then go upstairs and chill. Sometimes I read, I have a pink Himalayan salt lamp in my room so that I can still keep that lower light yes. and I'll read before I go to sleep. But I yeah, I don't have any, like I have a cup of tea and then I do this. Like, I know that some people are really into nighttime routines, but because I get up so early, I'm one of those crazy, like 5am riser people. Mm. And so I'm up so early that by the time I go to bed, I usually am tired enough that I don't feel like I need a wind down. It's sure. like, I, I've had yeah. a long enough day. Yeah. <laughs> I'm good. Yeah. And I have a question for you, the red light <laughs> mode on your phone. So I know I always have mindset to like, you know, the, where flips it to like the dimmer light or whatever, mm-hmm. but is, what is this red light thing? So I, use, yeah, I have, well, first off I have an Android, uh, I have a okay. pixel, so okay. there is that, but this stuff, this kind of stuff does exist on iPhone too, but I use an app called twilight. Um, okay. and it will actually like, it lowers the the brightness on your phone, but it also switches all of the light to red values. So it's like even dimmer than just like the night mode on most Ooh, phones. I'm going to have to download this. Um, yeah, I, we're going to have to start looking. Into I especially those. love it because I'm one of those people that the first, because I'm wearing, I have an aura ring, um, and I been wearing that for forever. And so the first thing I do when I wake up is always check my aura ring status on my phone. And so if I have just like the dim light on my phone and nothing else, it like shocks me awake and it's so bright. But with this, it's like, it's barely a lit enough screen. Like if you remember the olden days of like the old Game Boy systems that didn't have lights in them, like it looks more like that to me in the morning. And it's just like a lot nicer to your eyeballs when you're first waking up. (laughs) Well, this is what I'm downloading as soon as we finish this podcast. Yes. <laughs> right. Twilight. It's called Twilight app. Everybody, it's free. That's For great. Me, easy to remember because just like the vampires in Twilight, it'll help you be less sparkly. I don't know. I had exactly I, less sparkly head, phone. Was, it works. Thank you. I was like, in my head, this sounded a lot better as it's coming out. I don't think it works. <laughs> um, and so something I love to ask every single guest we have on here is what are three things that you are grateful for today? Oh my goodness. Um, well, first off, probably my fiance. Um, I'm really excited. We're getting married this October and it's finally starting to feel real because we've had a really long engagement. We got engaged November, 2020. Um, but we wanted to wait out the everything (laughs) that has been going on in the world. Um, I would say, I'm not going to say certain keywords that might get this podcast like taken down or whatever, but we were waiting things (laughs) out. Um, and so it's finally feeling real. So yesterday I actually went and bought my wedding band. And so it's like finally feeling like it's actually happening. So I'm, I'm grateful for him. Um, I'm definitely grateful for, um, my dog 
cannoli because I work from home and I work by myself. And so he is like my companion and I absolutely love him. And even though he's annoying, sometimes I still love him. <laughs> That's all pets. Exactly. Yeah. It's like they're, they're pains, but we love them anyway. Yes. And then honestly, I'm, I'm honestly really grateful like for my clients and for my business in general. Um, I had a total breakdown a couple of weeks ago because I actually spilled some soup on my old laptop. Don't no. use your laptop and eat soup at the same time, but it fried it. And I talked about this in like one of my previous episodes too, like more in depth, but I kind of have been trying to flip it and realize like how lucky I am that I could just go to Best Buy and get a new laptop. And it wasn't like the end of the world for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, it, it's made me kind of realize a lot lately, like, even though I am still like a very small business and I am still trying to grow, like I am doing so much better than I think that I'm doing because I'm in a place where I could still go and do that. And so I feel like a lot of the times we're so focused on growth that we're not thankful for what we have in the moment. And so I've been trying to like recognize those kinds of things a lot more. I love that. Uh, congratulations on getting married. When is your date? Thank you. It's October 16th. Um, Mm -hmm. and yes, we're, I'm, we're currently in Iowa, but we're getting married back in Eastern PA. So it's going to be a lot of travel. Um, but I'm excited for it. It's finally, everything's finally coming together. Like I said, I got, got my wedding band, um, next week, uh, I'm actually going out to Pittsburgh with my fiance because he's forging his own wedding ring which is so cool. There's like a That's blacksmith so cool. in Pittsburgh that makes rings. So he's like, I'm literally going to go get a hunk of steel and like spend 16 hours forging my own ring. That's so cool. And I was like, have fun. Yeah, <laughs> That sounds awesome. It's like, I want mine to match my pretty engagement ring. So right. I'm not going to go do that, but you have fun. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it just, it, it feels a lot more real now. So that's fun. I get that. We, so we got married, I'm sorry. No, we got engaged October, 2020 Mm -hmm. and our actual wedding is October 22nd of this year, but we just wanted to get married. So we got married in January, but we're just having our wedding. But since as soon as you said October wedding, I was like, Oh, I love this. (laughs) I was so, so happy. Um, because I well, first off, like getting engaged in November, I was like, I want a fall wedding though. Like that means I either have to do it in 10 months or I have to like push it out another year. And then we were like, well, with everything, like, let's just push it out another year. And I'm like, okay, cool. Yeah. (laughs) Love it. Exactly how we were thinking. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Mary, why don't you go to your go-to question? Yes. This is new for me to have a go-to question, but what content are you consuming right now that you feel like others? And it can be like trashy TV or something like that too. Like it doesn't have to be like something very serious, but like books, podcasts, TV, like what are you, anything you're consuming? Everything. Um, I am a huge, (laughs) like I am a big person that like, I love to have uh, different like shows and podcasts and media in general to dive into, to like force me to turn off from all of the productivity and everything. So Mm -hmm. I'll do like a quick, all of those, I guess the show I've been most obsessed with recently, and I'm really sad that is now over is euphoria. I am definitely on that train. I have been since season one. And I just think that like the cinematography in that show is amazing. Like, even if you were upset with the storyline, you can't like deny that it was just beautifully directed. It's Mm -hmm. just, oh, oh my God. Love that show. Um, and then podcast have to shout out mind pump, um, mind pump media, I, they, they kind of spurred on my love for lifting and kind of my entire career. So that would definitely be like who I would say, if you're, if you're interested in anything, fitness and exercise, nutrition, wellness in general, go and check them out. And then 
book. I'm actually reading uh, The Anthropocene Revised by John Green right now. It's his like latest book of personal essays. Mm. And it is fascinating. And it has so many good quotes that are making me think so deeply about like my life and us as a culture. He wrote a lot of it during 2020. And so it has like some underlying themes there, but then also some like really light stuff. Like he has an entire essay on diet Dr. Pepper in there. So like, it's not all like really dark and depressing, but it's just, it's a really interesting look at like society as a whole. Interesting. That's so interesting. I've never even heard of that. So I'm going to have to pick that up. John Green and Hank Green are both absolutely amazing uh, authors and uh, YouTubers too. I'm pretty sure they started out as YouTubers, but interesting. Yeah. I know that. Mm -hmm. I love that. And so to finally wrap up, where can our listeners find you and where can they work with you? Yes. So I have my own website. It's imperfectlypagewellness.com. But I'm definitely most active on Instagram. So you can look me up at imperfectlypagewellness. That's where you're going to find most of my content. Um, I'm also on Facebook. If you, it's same thing, imperfectly page wellness, if you, that's more your vibe. And I do have a very, very small TikTok that I'm trying to grow, but I'm definitely more new to TikTok than anything else and still trying to figure that out, but it's a fun time. <laughs> TikTok is like a whole new thing that I feel like I've also been learning to work with it and grow with it. And it's very fun, but I feel like it's just so different compared to all the other social media apps yeah. out there. That Completely. Definitely a, a learning curve. <laughs> yeah. Um, but as always, we'll have all of Paige's links and everything like that below. So you guys can jump down into the description and check her out, get over to your Instagram, et cetera. But Paige, thank you so much for being on and yes, enlightening us about gut health, because this is something I know I wanted to dive into a while and we just hadn't found the right guests to bring on and talk about. So I'm so excited. So thank you so much for sharing your time and everything about gut health. Of course. It was such <laughs> yeah. a great conversation. Thanks so much for having me on. Of course. as we said in the beginning, this is just such a good episode and something that I know I wanted to explore on the, on the podcast for a while. And we just hadn't found like someone who was focused specifically in gut health. So very glad we got connected with Paige and got to share a little bit more on this topic specifically. Yeah. It's just so interesting. And especially coming from like a toxic diet culture where you're told like brown rice is better than white rice. When like she said, nutritionally, like there's no difference. And brown rice is actually harder to digest like that like kind of blew my mind like I knew that they were like nutritionally about the same Mm -hmm. but I didn't know that it was like harder to digest yeah like from a digestive perspective never thought of that exactly so it's just like it's very interesting to hear like the scientific research behind things like that or like behind what we're eating because I I really do feel like we're not educated and most people are just taught to like look at the like the back of it with like the calories and the ingredients and stuff but it's a lot of people don't know what any of that means. So it's like how your body breaks down those ingredients. Exactly. So very interesting. It was funny to hear about the uh, power bars Mm -hmm. because that's something that I used to eat like literally all the time. Like that was my meal back in the day. Yeah. So very interesting to hear about that as well. I just think that she, I mean, it's so cool for her to be continuing her studies too and continuing to learn about all of this stuff. And hopefully we can have her back on the podcast with her schedule, because I feel like there's just so much more to learn. 
Yeah, I feel like we kind of did like a scratch the surface on gut health. Like we could get into a lot more specifics, I'm sure. Um, mm-hmm. I think that'd be really cool to maybe like explore in the future. Um, and yeah, I think that someone who's like continuing their studies like pages, and I know obviously a lot of our guests obviously continue their studies, but um, you know, something that I know we talked about with Paige and it's just like, I feel like to me that shows like a good coach or like a good, um, you know, person that you'd want to work with because they're not mm-hmm. only, you know, they not only learn the information once, but they're like continually learning and finding new, you know, new methods, new things, et cetera. Um, and that's what you want in anyone that you're working with, you know, is someone who yeah. is balanced and always learning themselves. So they can help their clients further, I guess, if that makes sense. Yeah. And I really appreciate her saying, obviously, like she wants to work with her people forever if she could, but she's training them to be able to do it on their own so that they don't need her forever. And I think that that's such a big thing in the industry of people not giving you the, like, yeah, it's like, they're not giving you the information for you to use those tools on your own. They're Mm -hmm. not educating you. They're, you know, saying that you can't do it without them. Right. Right. And that's such a, yeah, that's such a bad behavior. And like, obviously you work with some coaches longer than others. And sometimes you need that accountability for sure. But I do think that more people need to be educating their clients rather than just giving them bits and pieces. Definitely. Yeah, I agree. And so I really love that Paige does that as well. And, um, you know, we, I know we talked about it very briefly in the episode, but Paige does have her own podcast as well. And I know I've explored some of the topics that have been on there. Um, and she covers a lot and goes into mm-hmm. a lot more depth, obviously, than we could in this one episode. So if you are more interested in gut health, like definitely check out her podcast. We'll have a link for that below as well. Um, but before we wrap up today's episode, what are you grateful for today on this Sunday? No, I have a question. Oh, okay. No, I'll, I'll answer this one first. <laughs> okay. Uh, I am grateful for my friends at work because without them, I don't know if I would make it. So they definitely keep my head on straight and are very positive and motivating and just kind of calm me down when I'm like freaking out. So that's what I'm grateful for. What about you, Holly? Grateful for coffee this morning. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, Holly walked through, like came on and we're like, we're so tired. (laughs) So tired. And just, it's the weather. I feel like it's been so blah. Oh, definitely. And I think to, um, just me not drinking coffee during the week anymore. Like when I do have it on the weekends, it's just so nice. It's like my little treat now. Um, I love that. Even yesterday, like I worked yesterday morning, like for my, my, my regular job. And so it's like, I had a little bit of coffee in the morning, but like, I didn't really have that much because coffee before work just gives me too much anxiety. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like, I really only have my Sunday morning coffee this week. Um, so second cup and I'm really savoring it here. So that's what I'm grateful I love that. For. What's your, I love it. I'm on um, so it's my question that I came up with. What content are you consuming or have you consumed that you feel like everybody should be watching, reading, listening to? Um, well, I would say Atomic Habits, but I've talked about that book so many times. I feel like in the last couple of months on this podcast that um, people probably want to hit me with that book. So instead, I'm going to actually recommend um, a book that I have not finished yet. I'm only like, 30 pages into it, but I've been really, really liking it. I think I maybe mentioned it a week or two ago, Um, but it is, it's a book I found from Whitney Simmons um, and it's called um, Badass Ways to Stop Anxiety Attacks 
or stop panic attacks and end anxiety or something like that. I can get the full title. Um, cause it's just longer. So I don't remember exactly what it yeah. is. Um, but it's just so far in the book. It's very interesting because it is a way of a perspective that I very much click with, I guess you could say in terms of like being very grateful for your anxiety and for your, your you know, mental health issues, um, Mm -hmm. and like using them as a way to grow and learn through them. So I haven't really gotten into like the science behind the book yet. So I'm kind of definitely still in the sub stage of the book, but it's already so much of it. I'm like, yeah, totally get that. Totally get that. Totally get that. And so I'm very excited to continue reading this book. And obviously it is more of a, you know, self-development slash scientific type of book. So it's yeah. not something I'm like reading every day um, necessarily. So I know it's going to take me a little bit longer to get through it, but um, I am just very excited to kind of hear more about it. And I've heard this method that he teaches, I guess you could say method um, has been very impactful for a lot of people. So that also just makes me kind of very hopeful, obviously doing this alongside therapy and things like that. So that's what I've I love been that. consuming. What about you? So I am still reading Atomic Habits. I put it down to finish Verity, which I did. And it was, I have to get back to Atomic Habits is the thing, because I literally just like, once I picked Verity back up, it's like, I didn't want to read nonfiction. Yeah. So why do I get this wrong? It's nonfiction, right? It's real. It's real. Yeah, it's real. Nonfiction is real stuff. Fiction is okay. Stuff. Fiction is fake. Okay. Wait, no, isn't that the opposite? Nope, it's not. I'm looking it up. I, you don't trust <laughs> a literary English writer? No, I do. I do. No, I do. She does. Actually, like, what a liar. I'm calling my my co-host out here. What a liar. She doesn't even trust me. Podcast right, over. I, you're right. right. I don't know why, but I just for some reason lately I was wrong (laughs) no I've just been really struggling so maybe I just needed to see it too but anyways so I haven't been really interested in picking up my non my nonfiction. um I also just got a new book that is by Jason Tartik I don't know I don't know who he is I really got to research um Kaylee actually sent me this book because she felt like it would help me it's called restart roadmap rewire and reset your career So since I like struggle with like, where am I going? Like, what is my plan? That kind of stuff. So she sent that to me because she knows like how much stress I'm under in my own job. So kind of just like rewiring, like how I think about things and like where I want to go. So I will, I I will keep you guys posted on how that goes, but I definitely want to read that alongside atomic habits because your girl needs some habits. By the way, speaking of habits, I downloaded a new app this weekend, and I think it might be something you like, but it might be something our listeners like too. Um, it's literally called Habit. Um, or I think it might be say, um, I think it might actually be called Habit Tracker when you look it up in the app store. Okay. Um, but basically, and I'm so I'm only on day two, so I'm testing it out because obviously I've been doing a paper, um, a paper Habit Tracker for a while. Yeah. Um, you know, I was doing printout ones, and then this year with my uh, my um, planner has the little spot in there. And so I do like it, but, um, there's sometimes that like, I want to be able to like better, I guess, see like the 
progress with my habits without having to go back and be like, okay, 26 days this month and yeah. 24 days. So it's like, okay, let me see if I can, like, I'm just not very good at like updating habit trackers, like on technology. Cause I really like the physical piece of it but yeah. with this app. You can like, I'm going to show you Mary. So you can like slide it. Okay, hang on. Let me see if I can get my thing. To, so you can slide it. And then like, now that habit's done and you can put notes in. Oh, and cool. Then, like, it'll show like your different habits that are done and you can set like a million habits. So like, it doesn't have to be ones that you do every single day. Um, Interesting. So I've been playing around with this for the last day and I've really been liking it. Um, Is it the one with the pink check mark? Yes. And you can actually change the check mark too, which no app does this that lets you change the icon. So because my favorite color is yellow, I have the app as yellow on my screen. Interesting. And like change how the app looks and stuff like that too, which I think is really cool. Um, I know that there is a paid version. I have not played around with paid. I'm just doing free. So don't ask me questions about that. Um, but I just think it's cool because you can also add in like a million types of workouts. So if you wanted to see, I know we had talked about in our, um, our intention setting ceremony at the beginning of the year, one of our listeners, Grace, um, I'm pretty sure it was Grace that said it was Grace or Maggie who said basically they had a calendar and they would mark off like if they did yoga or if they did, you know, oh, yeah, that was great. Cardio. Okay. And so I really liked that idea and I tried to implement that in my physical planner, but like I'm just so bad at going it, back yeah. to like the whole year outlook and actually marking it. So I was like, oh, that could be something where maybe these aren't habits I do every day, but I could slide them. And that way I could see, okay, how many yoga workouts did I do this month? How many morning workouts did I do this month? So I'm kind of excited to play with it that way too. I haven't set up like all of those yet. I just set up kind of my main, my main habits yesterday. Um, but I'm excited to play around with this. So when you, when you said getting better at habits, this might be something that you're, you know, that you like, and I on my home screen so that every time I open my phone at night, then I'm like, Oh, right. I have to update this. Well, and now with like using the flow app, as I stated earlier, like I am grabbing my phone a little bit more often to track that stuff. Whereas Mm -hmm. I'm not really grabbing my physical planner. I haven't written in my planner in like a month, which is really bad uh, just because I've been so busy with everything, but I'm getting back to that. But this will be so helpful to kind of track that, especially for me who comes into our, well, I've been good lately, but usually I come into our initiatives Um, that's not the word intention (laughs) or intentions episodes. And I'm like, what did I do? So this will be super helpful for tracking that. Yeah, definitely. And I think it's just fun. Like the whole little slide thing, you can change the colors. So if you really like pink, you can make them all different shades of pink. If you wanted to, there's like colors in there that you can choose from. You can choose your icons. You can put your own habits in there if they don't have them listed. So it's very like, um, like a lot of, I guess you could say flexibility within the app, even on the face. Um, but anyways, let's wrap this baby up. Um, as we said, you can find all of Paige's information down below, but you can also find all of our information, including our WhatsApp group down below. But if you guys want to follow us on Instagram or pop over and let us know, um, how we're doing, what you like about the podcast, what you want to see on the podcast, etc., where can they find us on Instagram? Find us at get fitty with a pod, or they can email us at at fittywithitpod at gmail.com. And if you guys would please do us a favor and honor of rating and reviewing the podcast, that really does help us grow. Um, and hey, if you review it, take a screenshot, send it over to our email, and I will send you a little free crystals guide um, as a thank you, because we do want to continue to grow and build this podcast. And that is really, truly one of the best and easiest ways for us to grow is rating and reviewing. Um, anyways, we hope you have a beautiful week and we will see you guys back here next week for another, a new episode.
Bye.